your freedom Sure walked out the door with your head held high Welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear in this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated, which provides management, publicity, and related services. I hope that you've been receiving the weekly e-newsletter that I send out every Wednesday. There is information in there about the latest podcast episode, plus other goings-on, including exclusives that only the people who are signed up to that list get to see first. If you are not getting it, it's quick and easy to sign up. Just go to the show website, nhte.net, and pop in your email address. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest is a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist who released a single at the beginning of this year. Three years ago, she moved to Nashville and now performs regularly on Broadway in Music City. She is currently in the studio with a Grammy Award-winning producer who we will hear about today, and she has been writing with hit makers of the likes of Trent Tomlinson, among others. Plus, she has been consulting with Tim McGraw's marketing and management company. You've been hearing a song of hers called I'll Be Around. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Emma Zink. Hey, Bruce, how's it going? Great, great, Emma. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for making time for this. Absolutely. Good to be here. I'm excited to do this with you, but before we get too carried away with all kinds of stuff that I know we're going to end up talking about, okay. share with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called I'll Be Around. Um, that song is just basically about haunting somebody after a breakup, you know, they kind of about them walking out the door, like all confident and ready to go. And then little do they know, like, it's going to creep back up on you. Like I'm going to be around and you're going to end up missing me. So it's kind of like a little sarcastic fun song, like, all right, I'm sure you're, you're feeling good now, but just wait. So uh, when did you write that song, and is that a solo or is that a co-write? Um, I'm not sure when I wrote that. Maybe like, maybe a year ago, maybe not even that long ago. Um, I wrote it with um, a guy named Lee, Lee Starr and uh, Russell Sutton. I can see you seeing the right in your head. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, no, it was it was really cool. It was funny because uh, Lee Star and I originally just had a write, and we had the melody like the of the chorus, like the na 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 na, and we couldn't think of words, but we knew that the melody was super killer. And then he was like, he's like, let's let's get another write. I think we need to get um, Russell in on this because I think he's a really good lyric guy. So um, we ended up getting him on it and that next right um i couldn't remember like the guitar that little guitar lick in the beginning so we were like sitting around for like an hour like trying to remember what the lick was and we finally got it and then uh we started writing it and then it just it just really came together and it's probably one of my favorite songs um that i've written so it's ironic that you described the way that the third writer was brought in because last week on the show, Kenzie Coppin talked about a song that she wrote either with you and you brought another writer to it or she wrote it with someone else and the other writer said, can I bring my friend Emma Zink with me? And it ended up being three instead of two as she originally thought it was going to be. And here you are telling a very similar story. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it sometimes works like that. Um it just it just ended up working out because Lee and Russell are, are really close and they write all the time and we just kind of hit this point where we're like we, we love this melody we don't want to screw it up so let's and he was like you know what I think we should try and get Russell in on this and it ended up really working out so and I think it's important that anyone who's listening who is an up and coming songwriter hears a story like the one that you're telling Emma and the one that Kenzie told a week ago because I think what could happen mm -hmm. is somebody could all of a sudden hang their head 
and take it as an insult. Like, oh, you don't think I'm good enough that I can do this song with you? We have to bring someone else in on it. And I heard very much from Kenzie last week, and I know you're saying the same thing, that no, it's just great to have a third writer in the room who's going to bring something fresh to it that the two of you might not have thought of. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it's cool to just have that third or just that the three person dynamic is cool. Um, I don't know why that's always like my favorite type of right. It's like three, like a three way. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mentioned in the intro that you moved to Nashville three years ago. You had been living in Virginia. What had things looked like for you music wise in Virginia? And then what made you decide that it was time to make the move? Um, so it was actually like, uh, almost five years ago now. Wow. I guess 2016. I graduated high school in 2015. And then uh, I was playing gigs all around like Northern Virginia area, just like bar gigs and stuff. And um, it was, it was going fine, you know, and it, but it, you know, that only goes so far. And I tried to go to college for a second. I was going to community college. I went to like one class and, uh, professor was like oh you know you need to buy this book it's like three hundred dollar textbook and i was like screw this i'm not doing this i'd rather buy a guitar pedal, a guitar pedal or something <laughs> um so i don't know i just not that i'm against school but it was just like i've always had it in me that ever since i was like 13 i guess is when i started playing music and playing out and stuff and I just kind of had it in me that that's what I wanted to do. And I just kind of took a year after high school to try and be like, Oh, let me make sure. And then I started visiting. And then the first time I visited, it was like, yeah, that's it. I'm going to end up moving here. So I think I started visiting in uh, June of 2016. And then I moved by like October. Wow. So Wow. That's fast. Yeah. And I'm being, even when I moved, it, I, it was like a gradual thing. You know, I was going, I think I was there like every two weeks and then I would, I would drive back and forth from Nashville to Virginia um, for like a few months. And then I slowly, you know, made the transition. When you first started visiting there though, did you know anybody at all or were you going in completely cold? Um, yeah, so the first time I visited was with a guy named Jerry Wade. Um, I, and I've known him since I was like a teenager and he's like another musician in uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia. And he used to actually live in Nashville and play Broadway and do that whole thing. So he knew kind of um, just some of the ropes as far as uh, some of that stuff goes. And we went and we visited. Uh, he kind of showed me around, which was really cool. And then another guy named Scott McMillan, who's also from the Fredericksburg area. He's been coming for a few years and he's just like super charismatic dude, like can meet anybody and be their best friend. And he's just a really cool dude. And uh, he ended up taking me one time. Uh, He was showing me around and he actually knew some guys at this publishing company on Music Row and introduced me to all of them. So that's kind of how I got into like the... wow. The the writing scene, it was very fortunate, you know, that I knew somebody that knew knew a few people in that circle, and then I just it just kind of grew from there. So yeah, yeah, no doubt. Wow, wow. Well, I introduced you as a multi instrumentalist. Unless there is one or more that I don't know about, you play guitar and piano. Obviously, as you go to writing sessions and gigs on Broadway, it's a lot easier to just tote your guitar around. For sure. But as much as I got to see some mad guitar skills from you when we were at the Lake Martin Songwriters Festival in Alabama in August, piano is actually your first instrument, your main instrument, correct? Um, yeah, it was when I was, I guess, six years old, I started on piano. So I, I would say now I'm more proficient in guitar just because through the years, it's been easier to, to play guitar and at gigs and stuff. I mean, I still play piano. I'm not like, you know, no Mozart on piano, but I can definitely um, still get by. And I just think it's a beautiful instrument, different texture to accompany yourself. And um, But yeah, piano was my first instrument. And then from that, I started playing guitar. And then past couple of years, 
Um, I picked up the bass, and the bass is pretty much. I mean, if you know how to play guitar, you can you can figure out a bass, which is which is really cool. And I, I feel like it frees up a lot of, gives you a lot of freedom, especially in the studio. You know, I can kind of dictate how I want certain parts to sound as far as like guitar and bass. Like on the recent songs, like uh, like the one you just played, I'll be around. Like I played the bass line and mm. like the main guitar riff on that, which is, uh, which is fun. You know, it's cool to cool to be able to kind of have control of what you want those parts to sound like. So. So then when I'm talking about piano being your first instrument, you say, yeah, I learned at six. You're not classically trained on piano then. No, I'm not classically trained. I mean, I had piano lessons. Gotcha. Um, I guess, I don't even know what you would call classically trained. I mean, I learned how to read sheet music, but nothing to the, nothing to the extent of like a pro for sure. But, so then talk to me about your songwriting as it relates to being able to play both guitar and piano. How are you deciding guitar songs versus piano songs as you come up with a melody? Um, that's a really good question. I feel like I feel like it just depends. Um, if you're looking for more of a ballad thing, I feel like sometimes piano... Um, can speak a little better but at the same time there's so many beautiful things you can do on guitar it, I guess it just depends I would say most of the time I write on guitar but I'll find like you know there's so many like chords you can do on piano that you can make certain textures that you can't make on guitar which is just it's really cool and um, well yeah and that brings up the challenge of if I write a song on the piano Am I going to be able to replicate it live when I know that live I'm just going to be playing guitar? Right. I mean, I, I guess it would depend. I mean, if I was doing like a showcase thing and the song like really was like a piano ballad called for that, then then I would definitely have a keyboard up there and okay and make it that. But also, um, that first song I'd released, "Let It Burn," I did a the. It was originally like a guitar riff in the beginning, and then I did an acoustic like piano version of it and came up with like a piano parts for it. And it's like a completely different kind of vibe, but it worked. So, hmm. Well, for those listening who are aspiring performers, I'm sure they want to know how you are only in Nashville five years, not three, yet you're a regular performing on Broadway. The inclination would be that those are highly coveted and thus hard to get gigs. So I know you said that you knew some people that were able to get you into the writing scene probably faster than others who moved there, but getting into playing at Honky Tonks on Broadway, to what do you credit that success? It's funny because when I first moved to town, a lot of people on Music Row would be like, stay off of Broadway, you know, you don't want to get stuck playing cover gigs all the time, you know, the money can be good, and then a lot of people get stuck down there, which is, I could see that, um, but I just, I kind of just met some people that that played down there, and I think one guy was like, hey, I need, you know, a duo partner for this for this show, I'm like, yeah, like I'll I'll play down there. Like I grew up playing covers. Like I feel like it'd be a good thing. And I just started doing it with him. And then he got me into another bar, and they really liked me. And then I kind of just got gigs that just accumulated from that. Um, I was like, oh, like this is great. Why well, I haven't been doing this? I don't know why I haven't been doing this whole time. I've been waitressing. I'm a terrible waitress. <laughs> I could just do. <laughs> go down to Broadway and, you know, practice on my craft and hone in some new covers and, you know, make the same amount of money. I guess I was making an eight hours serving versus four hours on Broadway. And wow. Plus it's just fun. I, I feel like I understand how people can get quote unquote stuck down there. Um, but I think if you have the right mentality and you don't burn yourself out, that's, I feel like that's the hardest thing. It's like, oh, can you pick up this shift and can you pick up this? And then, you know, next thing you know, you're playing seven times a week and then your voice is burnt out and then come time where you you got to write a song. It's like, 
oh god last thing I want to do is try and sing right now because my voice is so shot so I feel like that's the hardest that was the hardest balance for me is recognizing like hey I can't play more than three four times a week or I'm going to be burnt out for the rights that I want to do and pursuing like my artist career so it's it's definitely a challenge to try and balance all of that for sure well, and let's just pause here for a minute to look at what a tremendous case study this is, because here you are having moved to Nashville. And again, I'm not implying that this happened in the first six months or the first year, right. but the fact of the matter is someone said to you, be careful. You don't want to get stuck playing on Broadway. You know, sure, there's good money to be made down there. Pause. Because guess what? I'm new to town. I have to make money. So as you said, I can waitress for eight hours or I can perform for maybe three or possibly four and make more money, which now let's resume the story, gives me a chance to, I don't really know that many people here yet. So by performing on Broadway, it might not be all of the people that I want to meet, but I'm going to be meeting people. And the proof in the pudding there was, as you said, other people started offering you gigs at other places. And then, of course, you had the smarts, the wherewithal to recognize that I can get burned out. This can really take its toll on my voice. And most importantly, I need to leave time for songwriting. I need to leave time to do my original music. So I think, Emma, you've just given us a really great view of how that whole thing is laid out and can go wrong, but can also be done in a very productive manner as you have done. Thank you. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of self discipline as far as you know, you get down on Broadway and people everybody's drinking and you want to be the life of the party, so you end up drinking and it's just it's a hard cycle not to not get so wrapped up in and so comfortable. But I feel like I feel like I've definitely found my balance as, as best I can. Um so I'm I'm just thankful for that. Yeah, because the phone could also ring or the text message could come in about a write the next day, and it might not even be that you were drinking or that your voice is shot. It could just be, I'm just burned out. I've played the last seven nights in a row until midnight, and I've gotten home at one in the morning, and I just need to sleep. And you never know what you missed out by not going to that write. So it's a credit to you that you're trying to perfect that discipline where you get the timing down right, where you say, okay, I do need to make the money and I don't mind the work, but I also have to leave myself available for my original music career, whether that's things I'm initiating on my own or other opportunities that people are bringing to me. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Anyone who has been to Nashville knows that downtown is where all the tourists converge and any honky-tonk that you walk into will have live music and maybe just maybe, you might have a surprise performer get up on stage. Emma, talk about a video that's on your YouTube channel where really, really big, it says Emma Zink on the backdrop behind the drummer, but on stage is not just Emma Zink, but also A.G. McLean from the Backstreet Boys and Cassidy Pope. Yeah, that was a, that was a wild night. I just, <laughs> we were playing at FGL House. Uh, I think it was like a random like Tuesday or something. I don't even know. And it was just kind of chilling there. And then I, I've been a fan of Cassidy Pope for a while. I mean, even since like her Hey Monday days and she's in that like pop punk band. Um, and I just saw her sitting back there and I was like kind of fangirl. I was like, oh my God, it's Cassidy Pope. And I had another guy playing with me and I was like, let me just walk up to her and just say hey and ask her if she wants to sing a song. Hmm. And I just kind of walked up to her because she had like, I think she went to the bathroom and she like kind of smiled at me or whatever. And I was like, I'm just going to go up to her and just say, Hey. And, um, I was just like, Hey, like I'm a super huge fan of your stuff. I think you're super cool. Like you don't have to, but if you want to get up and sing, I feel like that'd be really cool. Um, and she's like, yeah, absolutely. Um, so she got up and sang, wasting all these tears and I've been a fan of that song again ever since it came out and I played it with her and sang some harmony stuff and she sounded awesome and uh she was like oh thank you so much you're so great whatever it's really cool and the crowd was freaking out and she got she got off stage and we were playing another song and then she comes back up and she's like 
hey, do you know the song? I want it that way by the Backstreet Boys. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, are you going to sing it? And she's like, no, he is. And it was AJ McLean. <laughs> and I about lost my mind, bro. I was like, what in the world? And I was like, and they were like, yeah, we just finished. I think they were working on a project. They were doing like a, they just got done recording like a duet. Uh, um, I guess AJ was trying to get into like the country, the country scene. Um, but yeah. And then he got up on stage and we played, I want it that way with AJ McLean and Cassidy Pope. And I was like, what is life right now? <laughs> it was really cool. Wow. And they were both wow. super. But I love your courage in approaching her because it sounds to me like you already kind of had the right demeanor in that you understood that I'm going to ask her and there's a very real chance she's going to say no, but you went for it anyways. Yeah, I was I kind of surprised myself. I was like, because normally I'm not like, I don't know, when you see people that are that have had some success or are somewhat famous, you don't want to be like, I never want to be like super fangirly and treat them like most people treat them. But it was it was kind of like a cool setting because it wasn't like this crazy night. I mean, there was a, there was a good crowd there, but she was just kind of, chilling with some friends and and AJ and like having dinner or whatever. And I just, I don't know. She went up there and asked her and I said, you don't have to like whatever, but she was really cool. And it was a, it was a really cool experience. So yeah, it paid off. As I said, the worst that she could have said was no, but you don't know until you go up and ask her. And so you, you did and it worked out. When I got to see you perform at the Lake Martin Songwriters Festival in Alabama in August, mm -hmm. as you were going through your set of original music, you suddenly threw in a cover song and then later you did another. And initially I was surprised because I thought, wow, in downtown Nashville, she has to do covers. But here I would think she would love the break from those and being able to just do originals, but you explained to the audience that you felt it helps show where your influences come from, which I thought was really cool. Just talk about that a bit for the audience of this show. Um, yeah, I feel like, obviously I love playing my own songs, but I, I do love playing, you know, covers too. I love kind of just taking a song that I really admire and really enjoy and kind of making it my own and, um, Plus, when you're in a writer's round, like most people, you know, don't know these songs that you're playing. And I feel like it's cool to just catch people's ear as well. with like a song that I think like, but like the common covers I'll do in writer's round is like Benny and the Jets or like Superstition, um, Stevie Wonder. And I feel like those are just like kind of cool off the wall songs that, you know, I was inspired by. And you talk about Elton John, like piano guy. I grew up listening to him and then like Stevie Wonder, like that groovy type thing. And I feel like a lot of my songs kind of show that influence. I feel like it kind of fits right in with some of the stuff that I do. So I feel like it's cool when people are like, oh, like I know this song. It kind of gets them more engaged, I would say. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I refrain from asking on this show. I don't know that I've ever done an interview where I've said, tell me who some of your influences are. Because I think the way that you're approaching it kind of gets people's attention where shame on them. They might go, wow, she knows who Stevie Wonder is. It's like, yeah, guess what? Not only do I know who he is, but I'm leading you into my music so that you can hear what growing up and listening to him did to my songwriting and same thing with Elton John and, and maybe one or two others that you might slip in. So I think it's a cool strategy that you've implemented. Cause like you say, you hook the, the crowd in. So now you've got the audience listening and then you followed up immediately with one of your own and they can see the bridge that you've built for them to get to your original song. Right. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's exactly, I feel like my mindset when I, when I do that. So, um, I think it's, I just think it's cool. And a lot of other artists will do it too. You know, we kind of did that. Um, we did that in Lake Martin and then we went to Denmark this past, gosh, I feel like we just got back this month. We were there for almost, it's really there for like two weeks. And I would just throw in, we would all just throw in like a cover just to get the crowd. Like, Oh, I know this song. So 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville by singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist Emma Zink. Visit her official website at emmazink.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Emma is certainly on social media. Be sure to follow her on Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram. Additionally, be sure that you not only find her on YouTube, but subscribe to her channel and watch and like the videos on there. Do follow her on Spotify, but support her by purchasing downloads of her music from iTunes and other online digital retailers. Keep up with Emma online, not only to see where and when you can go see her perform live, but for updates on the new music that she is putting out, which we will be talking about shortly. I hope that by this point you have checked out something that I've been talking about over the last couple months or so, or maybe you've passed the information along to someone you know who could benefit from it. I'm referring to the online class that I launched at interviewtipscourse.com. It provides close to 30 tips to maximize those opportunities when you are the guest on a TV or radio show or a podcast or some other interview Plus, I have a module with more than 15 sources for how to potentially find more interviews. This is an on-demand video format, so you go at your own pace. And I've also included handy PDFs that you can download to supplement what I'm teaching across all that content. Go to interviewtipscourse.com and get started towards getting better results from the interviews you're getting booked into so that you sell more music, more books, get more clients, whatever it is that you want to gain when you are in the guest seat. Emma, I mentioned YouTube in there, and we had talked about the video on your channel with Cassidy Pope and AJ McLean. But let's talk now about the video you put out earlier this year for the single you released in January called Let It Burn, a nice acoustic performance, dare I say intimate, just you and the piano. Where was that filmed? And I'm going to put you on the spot. Was that all one take, or do you stop and restart the whole song, or stop and say, let me do that verse again, or or some such self-imposed edits? Um, so, yeah, that was performed at my producer, Blake Chancey's house, and um, he kind of had that grand piano in there, and we actually pre-recorded the audio before. So basically that video I'm kind of like lip syncing to myself, which is, it, it's interesting. And, um, the guy, Brian, who shot it, we, we would do like a bunch of different takes. That's why like all the angles are on there. You do like, okay, let's run through the song one take with this angle and then let's do it again. And then, Oh, wow. It's almost interesting because you're singing the song with yourself. Like they're playing the recorded version on a speaker and you're singing with yourself and you have to kind of make sure you're matching the exact inflections and, and how you're, um, I guess hitting every note and like saying every word at the exact same time that you did in the recording. So it looks like you're actually singing it. Um, which, which was an interesting challenge, but. Yeah, that could become interesting because depending on how much time goes by between the time that you record the song and how much time you make the video, Mm -hmm. if you are to the point where I now perform that song a little bit differently, it's like, okay, unlearn the way that you've been performing it live and relearn the way that you recorded it on the record because that's the way we need you to do it for this video because that's what you're going to be lip syncing along with. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, especially that song. I feel like any song I, I kind of do something a little different each time. So really listening back and being like, Oh, this is exactly how I attacked that note at this part. Mm. I have to remember that and exactly do it the same way. So my mouth isn't moving at a different time than what the audio is. And then you just look like an idiot. So (laughs) (laughs) well job well done because as i said when i first asked the original question i was of the impression that you were sitting there performing that live i'm going to say in the studio in his house wherever it was Mm -hmm. so job well done by you and by everyone who produced that video because it didn't look to me as though you were singing along with the track i thought you were actually sitting there playing and singing so nicely done okay right that's that's the point so i'm glad it it worked out thank you (laughs) so let's talk about new music i mentioned back in the intro that you're in the studio 
with a Grammy award-winning producer. Who is that, and how did you get connected with him? Um, his name is Blake Chancy. Um, he produced the Dixie Chicks back in the day, um, and he was that was his like his big um, success story, which is awesome. I love the Dixie Chicks, or their chicks as they call themselves now. Um, but I met him. I think. I met him over at this publishing company at his party. Um, publishing company is called Mucho Love. And one of the guys over there, I think two of the guys were over there at the time, Trent Tomlinson and Tyler Reed, they had just had the number one with, in case you didn't know, with, with Brett Young. And they were having a number one party over there. And um, I, I got invited and it was, it was really cool. And, um, Blake was there and we just started talking and I think I was like 20 at the time. I think I was drinking. I probably shouldn't have been. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, we, I think we just met by like, just there's a bunch of people there and we kind of hit it off and, um, he was just really cool. He seemed really genuine. And, uh, I just started kind of hitting him up. I'm like, Hey, like, you know, I think really hit it off. I'm I'm looking for a producer. I'm really interested in working with you. And I, I kind of pestered him a little bit. I kept calling him and <laughs> texting him. And he had, there was another time he had come out to like a writer's round that I was playing. And he's like, wow, like that last song you played was so great. So I knew he was like, uh, knew he was a fan of me. Um, I just kept kind of reaching out and we ended up taking a meeting and, he came out to a couple other shows and um, it just kind of worked out. Yeah. I love that story for a couple of reasons. The persistence first and foremost, and the fact that you didn't just try once and, oh, well, I didn't hear back from him. So I guess he's not interested. I'm going to move on. But number two, I think it's also good for listeners to hear those who are aspiring in the music business to know that sometimes if someone says, you know, hey, you know, love to work with you sometime, here's my card, that there's a good chance that they're actually being genuine and they're not blowing you off. Now, yes, it does happen that just to end the conversation, just to be polite, they might say that, and they probably won't give you a card, by the way. <laughs> but here's a case of where someone showed enough interest that Emma was going back to the first point, persistent, and it ended up working out. So that brings me to, Emma, what are you working on in terms of new music? Is it a single? Will there be an EP? Is it maybe a full album? Um. So we have like, I don't know, six or six songs recorded right now. Um. We're just trying to get some songs recorded. We don't really have, we released one song and we're trying to get a plan together as far as, um, I feel like now it's like a, a single world, like as far as releasing songs, like people release yeah. singles rather than, than albums right now. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to really focus on um, just getting my social media numbers. I mean, so many artists have, have kind of blown up on TikTok. So uh, Blake and some of the other guys that are on my team have been, you know, busting my ass on, you know, get on TikTok. You need to like, you know, try and get those numbers up. And I, I feel like the plan is to kind of build more traction with, with doing stuff like that because TikTok is such a, a huge platform and, you can gain so many followers. And so I feel like we're, we're kind of working on, on that and just doing like videos and singing, whatever on TikTok, which is, um, for some reason, something I struggle with. I don't know why I overthink everything. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I can't post this. I need it to be perfect. And then I end up not posting, but I feel like I just need to bite the bullet and really hone in on that so I can build up more of a, a following to be able to release a song and it actually kind of feel like it's going to do something. And, um, you know, they have, they have cool connections when it comes to like DSPs and, um, Spotify playlists that, that I can get it on as well. So I feel like we're just mm. kind of working on the brand and trying to, trying to build up that, that traction, Yeah, which I feel like is what every artist is trying to do, which is, which is hard, you know? And it's like, there's no one way to do it, I guess. So I'm just trying to work with them and see like what the best, what the best angle is as far as releasing 
Yeah, and it's exciting because it sounds like you have a good team with you. And I wanted to clarify, even though you said that you get overcritical and say, I can't put that out there. So are you actually on TikTok, though? Yeah, I have a couple things. I have a couple things, okay. but I, I need to be way, way more consistent with it. Okay. So as much as I said, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram audience, add TikTok to that list also. So, Emma, you mentioned that you just got back from having performed in Denmark, and shortly after we were together at the Lake Martin Songwriters Festival in Alabama, you performed in Indianapolis, plus you have even played down in the Florida Keys. So, two questions here. The first is, do you go back and perform in Virginia, since you're from there? And number two is getting out on the road, something you're trying to do more of, or are you trying to stay in Nashville to write and record and keep performing downtown? Um, yeah, so I just have went back to Virginia um I think the beginning of this month. I feel like every time I go home I'll pick up a couple like, you know, whatever bar gigs while I'm there. But most of the time when I go back to Virginia I'm just trying to like chill and hang out with family and friends and not have to be like you know, playing gigs all the time. So I feel like whenever I go home I'm just trying to relax. Um, I see. But, you know, there are some, some really cool venues out there that I would love to, I would love to play. Um, and as far as getting more out on the road, that's definitely uh, my main goal within this next year. I mean, everything with, with COVID and stuff has kind of made it um, difficult, which is interesting because I've actually been traveling more this past year than I ever have, which I'm really thankful for. Um, but yeah, I, I love being on the road. I love it. I love, you know, we just went to Europe. Like we just went to, you know, places in chosen Key West, whatever. I love going all over and seeing different parts of the world and different sceneries and being able to, to play music. So yeah, absolutely. As much as I'm able to travel and, and, and share the, the gift of, of music is, is what I definitely want to be doing. So, And with all due respect to Alabama and Indianapolis and the Florida Keys, come on. I mean, talk about the Denmark trip. You were there for more than a week, I believe. That had to be something really memorable from what I saw on social media. It was awesome. It was probably probably the coolest trip I've ever been on and, uh, just because there were so many... There's so many songwriters there. There's so many songwriters from Nashville and uh, some of them I knew, some of them I knew of and didn't know very well. And it was a really cool um, chance to connect and get to know more people and then set up, you know, more, more rights and all that stuff. And it, it was just really cool. And there's, you know, songwriters from Romania and, mm. and England and, that were just there was I think there was like seven different venues that we would all um, kind of circle around and play at and people bought tickets and it was just a really great turnout. But the people over there love love our music, which is really cool. You can go all the way across the world and people are, you know, into it. So it's it, it's it was a really magical experience. I can't even feel like it was like a fairy tale. <laughs> just being over there, the culture the culture is a little different, but it's really cool. Um, yeah, it was just it was just beautiful over there, and we had great times. Outstanding. Um, everybody's everybody's always. I just like how like lively it is over there. Like everybody's. It, it, it's weird. Like everybody's outside or walking or everybody's on bikes. It's just, it's a really cool culture, I guess. Outstanding. Over there. I mean, it's not like, it's not like it's like completely foreign. I mean, you can, you can talk to anybody. Everybody speaks, you know, English over there. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just, it, it was just a really, really cool experience to see that part of the world. And, uh, different kind of people and the, the fact that they appreciated what we do was, was really humbling. So no doubt, no doubt. Fantastic. 
Well, what about that great voice that you have? Are, are you just blessed with that from birth, or was there kind of something there, and maybe you developed <laughs> it with a vocal coach, or what? Well, thank you. Um, I feel like I did a lot of work. I feel like I've, I've done a lot of work. Like, not work saying it's, it's work, but as far as, like, honing in my voice and knowing what I'm capable of, like, I feel like knowing your voice is, is what's really important. I, I didn't really have any vocal lessons. I kind of hmm. think I had like one or two back in, back in high school. Wow. But, um, my course teacher, Mrs. Keene, shout out. She's awesome. <laughs> um, in high school, she, she helped me out a lot. Um, cause we would sing more like, you know, choir type, type stuff and she would force me to to kind of go on the soprano parts like the higher parts because mm. uh she was like i know you like to sing like alto stuff and you have that, that lower belty thing but she's like i really think you should try and you know exercise your upper range and that really helped as far as getting me strength in my upper register it's almost like you know you have one voice, but that's like a completely different like uh, placement, and it can be hard to utilize if you're not used to using it. So I feel like she helps me a lot with just kind of expanding my range. And as far as the the stuff that I sing, which is completely different than choir stuff, it it helped with just kind of blending my chest and my head voice and kind of being able to do that mix thing, so it sounds more seamless than um than it used to so yeah i don't know i mean i love singing is is such a fun thing you know and singing and playing guitar i feel like they almost for me kind of go hand in hand i feel like i'm a huge fan of like dynamics um kind of the push and pull of the volume and the sound i feel like is a is a cool tool to use when you're singing and playing that um, can just make a, a song or whatever you're conveying a lot more interesting. So yeah, no, no vocal lessons really, but I basically had a vocal coach in high school. She was, she was awesome. So credit to her. Hmm. I love it all. I love it all. Really good stuff. And, and I love your sound and I love that it's hard to put it into one clear cut genre. I was half kidding when I first heard you perform at the welcome event for the Lake Martin Songwriters Festival. And I said that never mind a genre, I would simply call her sound catchy. <laughs> so is, is that by design? Are you trying to write songs with crossover appeal? Um, yeah, I would, I would say so for sure. Um, obviously at, I'm trying to be country, but I I love a lot of pop stuff, you know, Motown. Um, I have a lot of like rock influences too. I, I feel like I have so many influences that I try and kind of pull into whatever I'm doing. And for some reason it kind of seems to be working, I guess, but, um, but yeah. Well, and that's important because, I don't have to tell you that there's lots of attractive blonde-haired girls that sing and write in Nashville, and so you got to do something different to stand out. And so if you come along with the Emma Zink genre, as I'll call it, people are going to say, hold on, I need to listen to this more because I'm not exactly sure what she's doing, like in a complimentary way. In other words, it's getting my attention that it's not the same predictable country sound that every other blonde female is singing in Nashville. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like that's what I'm, what I'm trying to do for sure is just to have something. And and that's the the hardest thing to pinpoint as an artist and as a songwriter when you're writing for yourself. It's like, obviously I want to write something that is commercial and it's going to be able to be like, Oh, we can play this on country radio or crossover to pop or whatever, but also create something that is a little not too left to center. I feel like a lot of artists struggle with this because it's either like they're like way out there, which is cool. I mean, that's what they're trying to do, but then it not be commercial enough for country radio, which people will probably 
I'm sure some people could argue me on that, but <laughs> you know, I think I like commercial catchy stuff. And I think if, if you can do it in a way that you can still have a familiar thing, but also something a little left to center that puts you in a unique category, I feel like it's what we're all trying to do. Yep. Yep. That's, that's the formula for success, or at least a good formula for success. But the key is to be successful in executing it. And on that note, I'm going to get all kinds of giddy here and just bounce off the walls with excitement over the song that we're going to play. We're going to close today with another original song of yours, one called Worth the Wait, which I happen to love. Before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience all about this song, if you would, please. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny because this is something I've always kind of struggled with. Everybody that knows me knows that um, I've always kind of been at least 10 minutes, running 10 minutes behind. I've gotten a lot better at it as an adult, but um, it's just kind of been, been a thing. And I'm like, I either need to stop being late or I need to write a song about it. Um, so we wrote a song about it. And I'm like, let's just make it this fun kind of owning it song, um, which was interesting for me. Cause I'm like, is this like too cocky or whatever? And I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be in an ass, but everybody, everybody loves it. And they're like, no, like I love it. You just own it. It's so clever. And everybody like really loves that song. So I'm, I'm really happy. It, it came together and I have that, guitar riff for a long time and I'm like I don't know I want to write I kind of kind of kept it and I'm like I'm gonna write something really cool with this and um I wrote the song with uh Blue Foley and Trick Savage and also um Trish Sylvie as well we were in Panama City Beach we were actually at um her house and we were there for a writer's retreat and I just kind of pulled up that guitar riff and I'm like I want to write something about being late all the time what about worth the wait and we just kind of went from there and it's turned into one of my favorite songs so no doubt no doubt so cool and i could sit here and gush about the song but it wouldn't do it justice it's better just to play it so first let me thank you emma tremendously great having you on the show i appreciate you making time for this it was so wonderful to get to meet you in person and and hear and see you perform live at the lake martin songwriters festival in alabama and i can't wait to come back for my next nashville trip so i can see you there as well thank you for everything absolutely thank you so much for having me you bet you bet listeners that will do it for another episode of now hear this entertainment my sincere thanks to singer songwriter multi-instrumentalist emma zinc do visit her official website at emmazinc.com. Again, I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Be sure to keep up with Emma online so you can see where and when you can go see her perform live. If you are in or are going to be in Nashville, find out where Emma will be performing in the downtown area there. Engage with her on social media. On her website, there are links to go over to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So be sure to follow and engage with her on those. I have followed Emma on all three of those platforms, and I'm sure that she would appreciate you doing the same. As you heard her say, she is now on TikTok as well. Plus, there is a video section on her website, which is also how you can get over to her official YouTube channel to subscribe and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell Emma you heard her and her music. I now hear this entertainment. Follow her on Spotify as well. But the better way to support her is to purchase downloads of her music from iTunes and other online digital retailers. One more reminder, if you are someone who gets interviewed or thinks you should be getting interviewed or should be getting interviewed more, then the online class I launched will definitely benefit you. At interviewtipscourse.com, I have extensive content that I'm teaching in an on-demand, go-at-your-own-pace format with close to 30 tips on how to get more from the time you invest in doing all those interviews and a module that has more than 15 sources for potentially finding more interviews that you can get booked for. Don't do interviews and come away disappointed and hang your head. That was a waste of time. I really didn't get anything out of it. Go to interviewtipscourse.com to get started now. 
that will do it for episode 399. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Emma Zink. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Worth the Wait. I get the snooze button A little too much loving When I'm up to something Past 3am I've got my reasons I'm always leaving When I should have been there Way back when Take a while.